Hello, and welcome to Technically Minded, a podcast brought to you by Criteria. Here we discuss hot topics in business and tech with our colleagues in an effort to share our collective insights with you. My name is Emily Crawford. I'm part of Criteria US, based in the Dallas office, and I'm your host for today's episode. Today, we will be discussing modern marketing transformation and what it takes to become a modern marketing organization. I have three experts on the show to help unpack this important and tough topic. John Ginn, Head of Decision Sciences at Omnicom Precision Marketing Group and Global Chief Marketing Sciences Officer at RAP, Matt DeBona, Partner at Criteria US, and Tim Sutton, Management Consultant at Criteria UK. Thank you all for being here today. Can we start by just having each of you give a brief hello and a statement or two about what you do? Yeah, sure, I can start. This is John. Um, yeah, great to be here on the podcast. And so as mentioned, there's some titles and roles that I play, but in a nutshell, my background is in economics and statistics. So really it's about leveraging that and harnessing that to make impacts for the business, outcome-based measurement, outcome-based modeling. And so it's been a journey through combining technology and data science to really do that at the highest level for you know Fortune 50 clients, et cetera. So really excited to be here to discuss you know what's happening in the modern world with how we leverage all those components together um, to optimize the marketing experience. Awesome. John, it's great to be in the same room with you. Uh, we've conversed many times uh, over web conferences over the years, but uh, Matt DeBona, I am a partner in our uh, Dallas office with Credera. I lead our U.S. MarTech capability. So uh, along with that comes really driving what services we believe our customers need, uh, helping uh, drive business development and pursuits, and ultimately project delivery as well. So uh, I like to keep close to the craft so I can make sure that we can share with our audience uh, what we're seeing in the marketplace. So uh, happy to be here. It's a uh, good evening from the UK. I, I'm pleasure to be here from uh, all the way uh, in uh, Cambridge here, actually. Uh, so my name's Tim Sutton. Um, I sit within the UK practice. Um, I have two uh, two roles. I particularly focus within the MarTech and the capabilities of marketing technology and transformation, but I've also, for my sins, got 20 years in financial services within insurance and a number of different avenues. So um, two day jobs uh, within Crudera UK at the moment. Thank you. Thank you all so much for being here. I'm excited about this conversation. So we've been talking about, quote, modern marketing for quite a few years. So what does modern marketing actually mean today? Tim, could you go ahead and kick us off? Of course. So, I, I mean, for me, modern marketing, I, I've been in marketing for a long time now. I keep forgetting how old I am. And, you know, I've seen marketing change drastically over the past five years, um, massively across various different organizations. Um, heavily focused now, marketeers were traditionally about um, the way things look, the way things feel, but data has massively taken over. You know, more and more I'm now seeing in marketing departments, they have to focus around data. So marketeers are really transforming themselves into data specialists as well as that kind of acquisition, that brand specialist at the same time. Yeah, and I think, uh, Emily, to your point, you know, we've been talking about it a long time. Uh, in my mind, it really hasn't changed what a marketer needs to do, right? It's it's getting that right message out to the right person at the right time through the right channel with the right call to action. So that part hasn't changed in my mind. I think the thing that's different today uh, is that customer expectations are changing massively. They're accelerating. The pandemic has even uh, exacerbated that further. And so we've got this, this changing customer expectation along with a massively changing technology environment too. So the two of those things together 
uh, really create uh, an interesting time uh, for marketers today to be able to be responsive as customers expect. Yeah, and I think, Matt, what you're saying about the rate of change is so important. I mean, if you look at the trajectory of just the world and marketing in general, the rate of change is increasing. So it's if we're talking about in math terms, it's an exponential curve. And I think that's the key piece for CMOs and marketers where they they want a period of time, they're hoping that there's this lull when it slows down, they can catch up, but that doesn't exist today. It just gets faster and faster. The change is more and more every time. And I think you look at the history of marketing, it started on the brand side. And so it's a layering. It's not that brand has gone away. So it went from brand focus to we've all heard customer consumer focus. It then went to data focus. And now you see all those things converging. And to exactly what you're saying, Matt, there's an aspect of now the consumer controls the experience, wants all those three things, plus a privacy lens, in a way that is applicable, but not too applicable. And so I think there's that layering growth of marketing and that that speed is, that pace is picking up. And it's that adaptation now of what modern is, it's that you have to be ready for the future. You can't sit on the same practices that you had a month ago, two months ago, and you know, let alone 12 months, two years ago. And so I think that that aspect of speed is so important. And I think the other aspect that we see a ton of is that from a marketer's perspective today, like you were mentioning, like Tim was mentioning, there is that aspect of, it's not just that you know the brand anymore, you have to sort of be deep in a lot of areas. You have to know tech, you gotta know data science, you gotta know classic marketing principles, which are still applicable today. So there's so much more to that job, so much more to the role, and there's so much more to balance, and it's become a, a complex, you know, complex navigation, uh, much more than it was historically. And I think a, a lot of CMOs are discouraged about the lack of progress in this area or this this transformation towards a mar modern marketing organization. So what are some of the challenges that you see them facing today? I know you've mentioned a few. Any others you wanted to highlight? This one is is one that's kind of been around forever, but there's there's this chasm that exists between the technology organization and the marketing organization. Uh, it's, you know, who owns the decisions on what technologies are going to be used, who owns the implementation and, and driving, which partners are going to be used and which uh, implementation teams are going to do the work. Um, I would also say, you know, is IT being a good strategic partner for marketing? You know, technology organizations have their own drivers and it may be a cost centric focus where that's not really what a marketer is necessarily uh, trying to tackle. So you know, that chasm exists. And I think that's, that's kind of a headwind that CMOs uh, have to face and they, they can't do it alone. It needs to really, um, it needs to be a partnership where there's communication and collaboration along the way so that roles and responsibilities are clear. Um, and, and I think just an openness to doing things differently than how they've done them in the past uh, is important for both the tech and the marketing organizations uh, to think about. I completely agree. I think for me, one of the biggest difficulties is the translation between a CMO and a, a CIO. There's so many miscommunications, lack of understanding of the, the goals that they're trying to achieve. And often you find, you know, from a marketing point of view, they go one direction. From a CIO point of view, they're going a completely different direction in terms of data, security, and agility. And often, you know, the two never meet. But I think more and more now, CMOs really need to understand the entire technology capability of an organization and the and the platforms that they're moving to and leveraging that experience and that capability. Yeah, and I think if you think about organizations today, they're structured in horizontals and verticals. And what I mean by that are 
Verticals are typically revenue centers. These are what CMOs own as brand owners. They are responsible for driving revenue for purchase, et cetera, those outcome metrics, and that's a vertical. So it makes a ton of sense of how they manage their business. Historically, technology and now data science and analytics have been horizontals. They are cost centers. And that intersection of those two groups and that discussion is so key today because it used to be that they could be a bit more divorced and the two could sort of f operate and function in an org and, and be fine. But today it's so critical that those two orgs meet with the same use case to have an agreed upon way to maximize efficiency, the cost savings, the effectiveness of implementing technology and toolkits. And so there is an intersection now, Tim, as you're saying, with CIOs, CTOs, CAOs, CDOs, with your CMOs and your product owners. And I think when, for the organizations that do what we consider modern marketing well, that convergence is happening. It's not always the easiest thing, as we all know. It's not always the cleanest thing. But that conversation around, do we have the same view of a use case? Do we have the same view of how to run our business, um, both from a horizontal and a vertical perspective? That's such a key component today that probably didn't exist two, three years ago. Um, and so you're seeing that, I think, in a lot of orgs as they face the challenge of how do we transform? how to become a, a different entity. And so that personnel component, that skill set component now is much more so coming to a head. You have to be able to translate in the highest level conversations, technical concepts, marketing concepts, business outcome metrics, and make that all come together in terms of the entirety of the business plan. So it's a, it's a challenging landscape to navigate. To add to that, I guess you've got the vertical and horizontals across you know, marketing technology and other functions. I think if you zoom into marketing itself, I think you have, um, a challenge that marketers are facing based on how those organizations grew up over years. You know, as, as new channels came into existence, there was a web team and then there was an email team and then there was a social team and a paid media team and a, a content team and an analytics team. And all of these teams have kind of grown up independently um, and, and they're each focused on their own thing. And the, the entity that's lost in that whole thing is the customer. You know, you, the customer isn't receiving a cohesive message across those channels based on where they are in their buying life cycle. And so, you know, I think the, the, the changes that need to happen, yes, technology, but also I think operationally within the marketing org itself uh, needs to happen too. No, I completely agree. Um, one of the interesting things um, that we're seeing in the UK, particularly within financial services, CMOs who have traditionally been in uh, focused around their service, their insurance and their offerings within financial services are now having to turn that on their head because a lot of organizations are becoming tech tech companies. They're actually looking at offering technical capabilities and technical products now when traditionally they've been offering financial services and, and products along those lines. So it's really challenging a CMO to say, actually, how do we look at what who we are as an organization and how do we market ourselves now to 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 a new generation as well? You know, we're, we're talking to uh, the levels of change within channels, particularly within the social space. We've seen that quite challenge a lot of organizations in the UK how to communicate to a, a generation under 30 at the moment. So you've each mentioned something along the lines of how technology can support CMOs and marketing organizations. And we've heard a lot about modern cloud data platforms or specifically marketing analytics platforms. Can you all tell us a little bit more about how these can enable modern marketing organizations? I'll start with uh guess the fact that there's there's multiple ways that this can come to life uh, and it really depends on the use case uh, that's desired so uh, recently we had a, a blog post about you know the way that you can really uh, take customer data and make it 
you know, actionable and action on that customer data. And so I think just the high level uh, approach that we laid out is, is, you know, you unify that omni-channel customer data through some mechanism. You uh, are then able to do more targeted you know, micro-segmenting uh, and, and then ultimately act on that. And a customer data platform is one example where, you know, all of that data can be brought together for, you know, marketing activation. But there are other use cases where that tool probably isn't the right thing uh, for the job. So I know, uh, John, you've got a lot of insight in that given what your space is. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, th there's an element where a lot of what we do in the, in this market today, in the space today, there's a lot of brand names. So the, the, the brand name space for technology now is, you know, everyone knows what an Adobe product might be or a Salesforce product or a Telium product. And those are all brand names at this point. And so I think a key piece that we all believe in when we work together on different projects, especially as we work with clients and CMOs, is to say, Objectivity and transparency are so critical to success because what you don't want to do is have a preset notion, have a preset deal or arrangement that forces, as you mentioned, a solution that's not custom fit for purpose for that CMO for the organization that won't achieve their goals. And so I think if you're thinking about when you play Tetris and you're waiting for that long piece to come down so you can knock out four lines, you need to wait for that. You need the right piece in the right situation. And I think so often what we're tempted to do is to say, well, we like this product, let's just push it through. And I think that objectivity is so critical because there are lots of choices, there are lots of pros and cons. And having organizations like Credera, like OPMG to come in and understand more so of what the client need is, the customer need is, and to custom fit that is the way that I think modern kind of decision-making is done. And related to that, I would say that from a acceleration perspective, that's how you accelerate the business. So you're not trying to say, hey, you have to use this one stack we really believe in. It's let's see what you have. Let's maximize. Let's integrate. Let's build on top. And I think those key principles of really wanting to um, have an objective point of view, do what's best for the client and ultimately the consumer as well, um, really allows them to not just have the right tools, but accelerate that tool chain and have it get all the way to enterprise, right? And that's our goal, to have it be utilized not just for a single brand, single sub-brand, but across their entire organization. I was going to say, one of the key things that we are seeing at the moment and, and agreeing with John there is we are seeing organizations move away from one brand does it all and actually selecting the right level of technology to address the problem. You know, the tradition that the, the Adobe full stack or the Salesforce full stack, we're working with a lot of organizations now that have been there and have not had success and are now moving to platforms that, that address their problem. And you build an ecosystem now instead of that whole one brand does it all. It seems to be a more successful approach. And, you know, with a MarTech industry of over 8,000 products, you know, you've got a lot to choose from to address those problems. I think that's working quite successful for a number of organizations here. Yeah, and I think there's a, a delicate balance between you know the simplicity of managing multiple vendors because uh, that that is not simple. Um, you know, kind of that that one hand to shake. I know a lot of people say that one throat to choke, but um, you know, I just think there's there's a balance between making it easy, but also maximizing the, the purpose built capabilities that some of these platforms have. Um, it is an evolution. I think you know. Sometimes people are heading towards that stack. Sometimes people are moving away from the stack based on experience. So, you know, if you start to John's point about the use case and, and really that customer experience you're trying to deliver, you know, certain tools will handle uh, some of these use cases better than other tools. 
Absolutely. And there's a question for, for the both of you. We're seeing here the CDP is really allowing marketeers to get to access to data that they never could access before. You know, there's so many silos within an organization, but some of this technology is enabling that, 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 that control of the data from a marketing approach now and not the reliance on the rest of the organization for data. I don't know how you're seeing that kind of in the US at the moment in terms of that opportunity. Yeah, I think in the US, privacy and the re regulatory components around that are catching up to Europe and to GDPR in a lot of ways. And so I think what we do see with CDP components as a technology solution, as well as identity providers, et cetera, is that there is almost a new normal every six months. So it may be that Google makes a change that they're taking away from a particular data feed that they used to provide. They don't do that anymore. It may be that the marketplace from an ad tech perspective, the clients have decided to make take a more stringent approach to site tracking. So I think that the great part about a CDP is that it's flexible and that's the goal you want. It is not a, rig a rigid environment where you have to have X, X data to make it function. It's a place where you can commingle in a compliant way you know, leverage clean rooms if you have to externally, et cetera. But I think that's the key piece what you see with CDP technologies today in that they're really working on their feature set because that allows that tool and technology to evolve with the space. Because as we talked about before, it's evolving so rapidly that that's a critical component. Um, and yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of the catching up, Tim, in the U.S. of, you know, as, you know, CCPA rolled out, as there's other components in, in legislation, there's so many of those considerations, um, especially in spaces that are much more privacy stringent, um, whether it's the HIPAA components, uh, financial services as an example, um, et cetera. So definitely I think that's why the CDP component is so critical to the future. You can't just have sort of a free-for-all database and say, yeah, let's just put a bunch of PI in there and see how it goes. Um, doesn't work anymore. Another strength of CDPs is, you know, they're typically coming with pre-built adapters or connectors to a lot of the up and downstream uh, platforms that need to integrate with the customer data platform. So if, you know, if the use case isn't so out there in left field where it's a pretty common integrate system X with the CDP so it can then activate through system Y, uh, the CDP companies, that's part of what they're offering. You know, yes, they are unifying customer profiles and, you know, doing all of, all of the identity resolution, things like that, but it's also the connections into the downstream system. So if, if you don't want to be building and maintaining those integrations yourself, uh, the CDPs can also offer uh, an accelerated way to deliver that. You're using some acronyms here, right? So we've got CDP, Customer Data Platform. We also mentioned, in general, modern cloud data platforms, marketing analytics platforms. Can, can any of you kind of help paint the holistic picture for those of our listeners who might not have read your blog yet? So I think when we say platform, there's a capital P and there's a lowercase p. And so what I mean by that is a lowercase p is a singular platform that you're buying or leveraging or licensing on Adobe product, et cetera. We can use more acronyms there, of course, AP, AEM, et cetera. And then there's the big P platform, which is, I think, how we think more often in terms of when we say a marketing analytics platform, it's not a, a single solution. It's the combination of multiple solutions, multiple components of different stacks that come together to really service marketing and analytics. So I think there's that distinction where we have that vast loomscape of all the tools in tech, and our goal typically is to figure out best in breed from a cost perspective, a use case perspective, how do I put that together and build that capital P platform for marketing analytics that can drive the business forward. And so I think that's where sometimes 
it's maybe we should use a different word than uppercase P and lowercase P platform. But I think that's the key piece here in terms of understanding that when we say a broader solution set, it's the combination of a toolkit versus a single single source tool. I think another uh, big difference in the capital P, uh, you know, marketing uh, analytics platform is it, it's a place, a workbench that you can do lots of different things. You know, the CDP is there to be able to get data in quickly, decide what to do with it, and then activate. Whereas a marketing analytics platform, by pulling in different flavors of data, whether it's behavioral, uh, media performance, engagement, profile data, all the things, you know, you can then do a lot of different analyses. And John, this is your space, so I'm not going to talk over you on this. But um, I mean, that's the place where your teams really do some of the heavy lifting that think a lot of marketers don't necessarily have yet either from a skill set perspective. Yeah. And I think, you know, we have Tim on the call all the way in the UK um, in the evening right now. And I think another key piece is that a lot of the organizations we work with are global in nature. So it's not a single market component so that a brand exists not just locally, but in a global distributed localized system. And so in that sense, as you mentioned on platform, Matt, it's so important that it allows collaboration. And it's easier said than done. It's easy to say, yes, let's all have a workspace, but that construction has to be very purpose-built. And so that, um, and love to hear Tim's point of view, but you know, you wanna be able to work across time zone locations, different even regulatory concepts, and how do you fit that all together so that a brand can really fully harness, especially a global one, all the data information they're getting to really have a solution set, a business outcome that is not just for a single region that it's easy to implement in, but it is a solution set that teams from the UK, Tim's team can collaborate with your team here, et cetera. So I think that's such a key concept. So we'd love to hear from Tim just on you know what you're facing as well. No, absolutely. Um, I think it's a really difficult challenge um, on a global front. We're working with some interesting global brands. I think they're just at the start of those journeys, really trying to understand how they can leverage data, but also simplify some of their processes and reuse some of the capabilities that they're doing in regions across other regions, but have the data to back that up. I'm, I mean, we're working with organizations that still have that disjointed approach when it comes to marketing and analytics and data. And I think we are at the, the point now where businesses are realizing that that holistic single view will ideally drive effective uh, improvements across the organization, really drive improvements across customer experience. It's about kind of working together. And, you know, the time zone thing's always an interesting one. You know, how can we all talk together and work together at a single point of view? But I think COVID and technology has really changed the way that we operate um, over the past kind of year and a half. So I think organizations are moving there, but it, it's, it's going to take time. Um, and as you say, it's it's not one big platform. You know, it's multiple technologies merging together to give you that kind of unified view and opportunity. You all have mentioned a lot about the importance of data. And I think traditionally, marketing organizations have used data or or lagging metrics, right, to look backwards at how a campaign has performed. How can organizations learn about past behavior, but also look towards the future and create insights that allow them to push ahead? I think there's a key piece that you see today measurement that may seem obvious to most of us that are talking here or listening is that metrics need to be purposeful and meaningful. And what I mean by that is that often companies, and we are guilty of it too probably in some internal metric, that we like to make metrics that make us feel good that say we did a great job and that metric proves that, but it doesn't actually help us get better. And so 
the improvement component is as a starting point is that you have to pick the metrics that actually matter. And that's a common phrase that we're hearing from CMO CEOs to say, what are the actual metrics that are meaningful, that matter? Do we have the right ones? And often, as you mentioned, that means that that metric or that measurement has to be able to look backward, figure out how we've done, how that distributes, and also look forward. How do we get better? And if that measure, that metric can't do both of those things, it's probably more of a self-serving metric to say, we're really good at our job. And so while that makes us feel better, it doesn't help the organization improve. And so for us, I think a, a lot of what we want to do is to harness all the data that's available and really let the data tell us where to go. And at times, and we've had this with organizations, it's uncomfortable. We will uncover an insight where they've been doing it the same way for 10 years. And maybe the person that has run that strategy is also the one that is asking us to tell them what to do next and to say, hey, look, in this scenario, we actually have to pivot completely away because the data is telling us a certain thing. And so with that, we like to build a lot of automations, a lot of predictive forecasting models that some are built directly into CDP solutions today. Um, and then others are more custom built because the data is very nuanced. So in specific categories with companies that have a lot of data, you do want to build a bit more of a custom feature out, a custom modeling set out because you'll gain that a bit more of insight, a bit more of accuracy in terms of the forecast. And so I think those are, is, that's a place to start. And the one other thing I'll mention is that measurement and balancing priorities is a lot like how you would manage a portfolio of investment. You want to pick things that are high risk, that have high ability to change your bottom line, and also have things that are low risk, but also probably don't have the same upside. And you have to balance out that understanding of testing. So as an example, let's say we have an insight that says, what if we invested all of our budget into TikTok? This is not a TikTok plug, but let's say we that's what the data showed. Our response to that would not just simply be, hello, CMO. Tomorrow, let's jettison our budget from everywhere else and just go all in on TikTok. It would be to test that in because we want to understand the upside and also the negative impact of that exposure. So it's to say that so much of what we do in measurement is based off the past, right? Past data. And so we have to take that with a grain of salt to understand that it means that it gives us insight into what to do in the future. But often that means sometimes setting up tests, testing our hypothesis out in the market before we say that what we've experienced historically is, is the future. And... The last piece I'll just mention is, as the pace of change is getting faster, um, different channels for media, different mediums for purchase are emerging, it means that we have a smaller window of data to work with. And historically, when you ask marketers, I'd love to look at three years of data to, to predict and forecast what we should spend and what the return will be. We don't have that luxury as much anymore. So as a person that grew up in statistics and economics, there is a discomfort for statisticians and data scientists today that they have to be comfortable with models that may not be custom fit for dissertation, for publication, but that that model, especially in a marketing sense, has a high chance of improving the business outcome. And so there's a balance between viability statistically, but business outcome still has to be paramount. So there is this sort of a, a little bit of a existential thought that goes into every statistician's mind of, I can make this model better. I, could, I want to make it to a point where I could pass my dissertation that I wrote in, in grad school. But in reality, there's aspects of that that are much more valuable to have something done rapidly, to have it tested in market, and we can iterate. So I mean, those are some concepts that we, that we go through today and that we face as we think about measurement. That was great, John. You nailed it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think one thing I'd add on top of that, John, is just, you know, 
totally agree that that test and learn uh, approach is what needs to happen. And if you're going to fail, fail fast. I think the, the other side of that is operationally, organizationally, how do you actually foster that type of an environment? Uh, because, you know, classic marketing organization might not actually be able to do that because mm -hmm. you don't have the left hand talking to the right hand all of the time. So I think there's some operational challenges that come along with that capability, which I agree that that's where marketers need to head. Uh, but it, it also manifests itself in, in change required within the marketing team. That's a great point. And I think testing and optimization are the areas where we see it the most. If you go to a startup, if you're a part of a product team that's building features and you're really testing out new components, if you have a 10% success rate of your tests, you're really happy. That 10% is gonna boost revenue, functionality, user adoption, et cetera. In a pure play marketing environment for a CMO, if you told a CMO, hey, we're gonna run 10 tests, nine are be unsuccessful, but we're gonna run one that's really meaningful. That's not something they're used to today because I would venture to say that today, a lot of things that we call tests aren't tests. They're really optimizations. They're small changes that we make that we have no probably they're gonna work from best practice. And so what we try to encourage organizations is that for those components where we have the data to back, that small optimization, go ahead and do it. But save sort of the big tests, the big ideas, the significant changes we're seeing in the data that are much more hypotheses that have volatility, those are real tests. The elements where if it proves out correct, you can gain huge wins, huge scale from that test versus trying to classify everything as a test so we show a really good win rate. And so. I do think it's an education piece of, again, not patting ourselves on the back to say, we ran 10 tests last year, now we're successful. It's to take a look at that portfolio and to say, actually, what's the revenue generator from all of our testing? And I think what CMOs are coming to see now as we re-engineer that is to say, if we have this portfolio where there's testing that's more volatile in some sense, the ROI is much greater at the end. We have huge upside. And especially for businesses, then all of them have very high targets every year to achieve. You're going to need those high volatility tests mixed in. You can't always play it safe today. And so I think there is definitely that education component of saying real tests have a decent chance to fail. And are you okay with that as an organization? And how do you then essentially tell that story within the organization to make it acceptable, to make it normal that we are testing our way to big wins and optimizing our way to all the small wins that you know will stack on top? Yeah, I mean, a test that doesn't pass or fails is actually learning. Mm -hmm. So now you know not to do that next time, given those same parameters that went into it. So I think there's still victories to be had. Do you think there's a fear from a CMO point of view on that front, though, that with the, with their time frame in often positions of only maybe two years, maybe two and a half years, that they still need to make a large impact? So they're kind of risk averse to to do things more efficiently and they're still trying those kind of big bang approaches just because of their their level of uh, tenure within the role and to show that kind of level of change i think there is some of that definitely tim i think the other aspect for that i see with cmos now is that there is more pressure than ever for cmos to be outcome driven it is not enough to have your mps or your brand equity or your those softer metrics at times to be high they are now, they have the same goals, outcome base that the CEOs and CFOs are passing down. So I think more than ever now, CMOs are intrinsically connected to the financials. And so with that, I think they are now being pushed to a direction that is more data-driven, that has to yield 
a lot of results downstream. And that's a very different story than producing, let's say, a TV spot that generates a lot of buzz, that has a lot of viewers. If that doesn't result in the outcome now, the CMO has lost. Whereas maybe, you know, years ago, if you had the top viewed ad, ad in the Super Bowl, that was enough. But today, if that, if that can't be correlated or actually causally related to outcome, it's not good enough. And I, so I think there is that double pressure now. It is all the pressure that existed before to make change in their tenures, which are often not very long, as you mentioned, in a company. And then secondarily now, they have to not just have that brand grow, but they have to have all the outcome metrics by quarter, sometimes even more often, hit their targets, their financial targets and forecasts. So I do think the CMO's uh, job has become a little bit more difficult at times, but I do think through that, they're becoming, as we're seeing, much more driven by data, by tech, by automation to get those tests into market faster, to realize the gains in as many ways as they can from an operations perspective as well. And, and specifically, how do you see a marketing analytics platform helping CMOs accomplish these new, tougher objectives? I think by having the data from all these different domains, as I mentioned before, whether it's you know, customer profile, demographic, psychographic information, it's the actual transactional details, it's the media uh, performance data, it's uh, any engagement data that they've you know, interacted or not interacted with. I think bringing all of those things together in one place allows you know, increasingly sophisticated models to be run against that data. So you, know, you have it in one place, as the business continues to get smarter and ask more difficult questions, you have all of the raw materials in one place that allows you to then do the right type of analysis with the right skill sets uh, to answer those more complicated questions. So you can prescribe what is that next test that we should run. I think there's a huge element of speed in that if you have a market analytics platform that is streaming data in, refreshing automatically, that has the most recent, the most up-to-date data parsed through and built and insights-driven by algorithms, what that CMO, those decision makers can do is not just react, but plan. And so what data does when it's available in a very expedient way, in a very sort of insight-driven way, is that Yes, you can quickly react to what happened yesterday, a week ago, two weeks ago. And that also allows you to plan most effectively now because all the data is up to date. How many times have we seen that if you're on a, on a very lag state, you're able to plan, but you have a little bit of doubt because you're missing some data, you're missing maybe the most recent month. And so I think what CMOs and decision makers want is the most information that they possibly can to make a reactive decision now, but also plan for the future. And that's what the Market Analyst Platform does. It gives that at people's fingertips so they can have the best chance of really maximizing what they've got as an organization and decision-making. I mean, from what we're seeing in financial services, we're seeing actually a move to be even more focused around a trading environment. And actually, from organizations that traditionally looked kind of maybe three or four weeks in advance in terms of data, we're now actually seeing that they are trading daily making changes making changes per channels daily so they can optimize what they're doing and and seeing really amazing results it, it's working quite well within more the tech startup who have the agility to move that way but we are seeing larger organizations adopt these um, trading methods um, to be more focused on what they're doing and leveraging the data and making the data make the change and make the decision 
Um, it, it's becoming really powerful for those agile organizations. The traditional ones are still maybe looking at data a week or two weeks behind, but actually we're seeing now more uh, agility from the, the smaller organizations. Tim, I'm curious if you had the ear of a CMO in the room right now and you were able to tell them what they needed to start doing now to drive towards becoming a modern marketing organization, what would you tell them? I'd say, you know, start asking questions, challenge the status quo, widen your parameters in an organization. Don't just think about marketing, think about the entire organization. Matt, what about you? I would say make sure that the business is instrumented properly. Uh, make sure that you've you've got the ability to listen and sense what's happening, uh, and make sure you're you're doing things with the, the exhaust that's coming out of all of this instrumentation. Make sure that you're capturing it and, and you know creating platforms uh, to be able to harness that. I'd say there's an aspect that we just talked about a little bit ago in terms of the rate of change is only getting faster, and so with that in mind, I would say that. There's no better time than now to upskill to advance your capabilities and to maximize that new tool chain, the next tool chain, because there will be no time to catch up. So if you are making investment decisions and thoughts right now, you really have to be on the forefront, pushing it forward. There will never be a lull um, in our lifetime. And so it really be to really push that CMO, that, that org to embrace the most recent, the most modern and the best techniques, because if you don't today, um, there'll be another one tomorrow. Thank you all for your thoughts. I, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. John, Tim, and Matt, I really appreciate each of you joining me today. Thank you so much. This is great. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And listeners, if you're interested in learning more about Credera and OPMG's marketing analytics platform, check out the insights page at Credera.com. And as always, we hope you'll join us for another episode of Technically Minded.